seem to be drifting, sweetheart. I'm not drifting. I'm waiting. What for? The right man. I've seen him. I've met him just once. And then I let him fly away. If you ever see a little blue box flying up there in the sky, you shout for me, Gramps. Oh, you just shout. Hello everyone, welcome back to Cloisterbell. Today we are talking about a Doctor Who episode called Partners in Crime from Series 4. Joining me today, of course, we have Liam. Old news, no one cares. Also rejoining us from last week is Matt from Neither the Time Nor the Space. Hello there. How are you doing? Much the same as last week, if I'm honest. <laughs> You're actually dressed the same. Timeless. Timeless. Because he's still out there. Somewhere. And I'll find him, Grant. I'll find him. So, what have you been up to? Have you watched Red or anything? What are the, what are the films like in Romania? Go to the cinema? Um, I'm going to go to the cinema this weekend, I think, to go see the new Marvel film, The Marvels. That's Is it dub? Um, so it's English with Romanian subtitles. Uh, not bad. Um, so there's nothing really that's been released whilst I've been here that I've wanted to see. Um, I had to go back to England to sort some visa paperwork, and because I had nothing to do... I went to the cinema quite a lot in a condensed space of time. Um, so anything I wanted to see. I, I'm quite a fan of the Kenneth Branagh Poirot films. Like I, I like a bit of Poirot, so I got to see Haunting in Venice when I was back. Um, oh, nice. So, yeah. I've watched a show on Netflix called Bodies. Have you heard of that? No, but I've heard people talk about it. It's like... It starts off like a detective drama, but it's through different time periods. So one's in Victorian 1800s, one of them's in 1941 in London, and another one is present day 2023. And in this back alley in London, they come across a body, but it's the same body over all these time periods. So they're kind of investigating that and it all kind of pieces together. I can't really say much without giving away the whole plot, but that that's kind of the premise of the show. Um, about eight episodes long, but they're like good, hefty episodes, like an hour plus. Um, so if you if you dive in, it's it's uh, yeah quite a heavy watch, but um, it was interesting. Yeah, what about you, Liam? Uh, I've been going through an Ernest Hemingway binge, uh, and I've just finished uh, reading Death in the Afternoon. Uh, which is interesting. It's all about his love of bullfighting. I'm not a fan of bullfighting. It's it's not something I'm keen on. But um, he's very... I love his prose and it, his description of it and his love of it. He's not entirely uncritical of it. And he does actually appreciate how people will have objections to bullfighting. But it's a really interesting book. Uh, I enjoyed reading that. Um, listeners will know that I'm in the process of buying a house. And... Um, that's going quite well. Still got plenty of time, but uh, I'm using the opportunity to start packing up. So all 
I'm pretty much in the process of um, packing up most of my books at the moment. So I'm currently reading Michael Palin's Hemingway's Adventures, uh, which I'm enjoying. But after I finish reading that, I probably won't be able to read anything until until I eventually move. Um, in terms of watching stuff, it's it's been Doctor Who related. I've watched two of the Tales from the TARDIS, um, Earthshock and the Mine Robber, and they're kind they're interesting. So when that when they were first announced, I wasn't quite sure what they were. Uh, but what it is, it's um, you have two scenes as an intro and an outro to some of the classic Doctor Who stories. Um, so with Earthshock, we had Peter Davison and Janet Fielding reprising their characters. And then we had uh, um, Fraser Hines and Wendy Padbury reprising their roles for, for the Mind Robber. Um, it's kind of interesting, actually. I, I mean, have, have either of you had the opportunity to watch any of those? No, I've had no time <laughs> since they came out. Pretty much just prepping for podcast stuff and work. I would love to have sat down for an hour and a half and watched one, but I just haven't had the time. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I know that because I think I, I really wanted to uh, have watched uh, the next one, which is Vengeance on Varos, because that's one of my all-time favorite stories. But yeah, I haven't had the time. The fact that I was able to have time to watch the first two was quite quite miraculous, actually. But um, yeah, they're interesting. I think. Um, as a means of introducing new people to classic Doctor Who, I think is a, I think actually this is a new and interesting way of doing it. Um, you know that because there's all that that question of going, how would you introduce classic Doctor Who to someone who hasn't seen it yet? I think our jobs may be made easier now, just introducing them to Tales of the Tardis, and I think that'd be a good way of doing it. That's cool. I can't wait to check them out because like I would have a quick look on my phone, just skim through it, watch the start, watch the end. But I should wait and watch them properly, I guess. Well, I mean, to be honest, when I cottoned on to what it was, I was kind of tempted of just watching those scenes. But uh, Earthshock's just such a cracking good story. I just watched the whole, the whole, <laughs> the whole way through. Um, I actually think they're really good uh, scenes that they've bookend the stories with. I mean, truth be told, I probably you know prefer the original broadcast, but these do add something. And I did find Adric's death much like much more touching. Uh, with the way that they handle it and having the Doctor and Tegan talk about it in the way that they do at the end, I think is 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 really nice. And with the, I mean, I suppose I'm spoiling it a little bit, but see the, see how it's written and see how it's performed. I'm not going to give an entirely uh, way, but there's a, there's a uh, with the mind robber. There's a nice little um, touching uh, way that they you know because when um, oh crumbs, I've forgotten that I forgot who who played Victoria. Deb, Deborah Watling, Deborah Watling, Um Sorry, yeah, Deborah Watling. Uh, there's a really nice, touching uh, way that they handle it. You know, she's not longer around, and Jamie missing Victoria, so th- that's really not handled. So, um, I'm that's looking forward cool. to watching the others. There's also a condensed, colorized version of the Daleks, which would have came out on the 23rd, but we're in the past right now. Any thoughts on that? I'm I really like black and white films and black and white television. I haven't got a problem with it and I have from I've always loved it from a very young age. And it has a style and a mood and a look all of its own. Uh, I'm not a, so I'm not a massive fan of colorization. 
I'm not up in arms about it. I'm not sort of like, how dare they colorize this? And, you know, it's it's not for me. I'm mm. not that fussed about it. How like, about you? Well, like apprehensive going into it because you see all these colorized photos. Um, like Clayton Hickman does a lot. He puts a lot because he's quite good at Photoshop. He uh, is. I've got to say he does, a, he does a damn good job. Yeah. Not criticizing his work specifically, but like hmm. looking at others that are colorized. It's like beyond photorealistic it's like whoa that's too colorful that hartnell's face is way too red or maybe you had a really <laughs> red cherry face who knows <laughs> but like i don't know feel it feels like it draws too much of the colors out and it's not quite natural yeah and i'm worried that might be the case of the colorized version i don't know yeah what do you think Matt? um i i think i think colorization's got its place but I struggle with video and animated recolorization. I like looking at the classic photos of the sets to see what they're like, but I think my imagination can fill in the blanks when I'm watching it in black and white. I don't think I need the two together. And, you know, with the way it's shot on sort of old grainy film as well, like like you were saying, sometimes it's over-colorized and it can do more harm than good maybe i and they've they've also cut it down to like one hour fif- 15 i think from originally it must have been like in eight episode thing what 25 minutes an episode um so it's, it is a cut down version so it's, it's a shame they're cutting things out because like maybe like that short shorter version is like more just digestible for like the modern audi- audience but like I, I don't know. I prefer just keeping it in its entirety, but I guess it's well, less, f- less for them to colorize. With the well, actually, I mean, the, well, the funny thing is, we do have an edited version, color, a colored, edited down version of that very story. I think I've seen that somewhere. Yeah, yeah, and it has Peter Cushing, one of the best actors. You know, it's, <laughs> we've got that. Watch that. So this new one's like a step backwards. Like a <laughs> yeah, poor yeah, man's cushion. <laughs> So I hope everyone enjoyed the Star Beast. We don't know what it was like, but it was out last week. Uh, Wild Blue Yonder's out this Saturday. Don't know what time. Um, but yeah. Um, so what's coming up today? We'll be looking at Partners in Crime. And just for the crack, I did ask ChatGPT to write a story. Um. I can see the discomfort on Liam's face. Yeah. Yeah. But it was just, it was in case we had nothing to do. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it up. Your, your love of AI in itself is going to be a Doctor Who story. You're going to create Skynet through ChatGPT. I'm just making it smarter. <laughs> so it's it's up to you. At the, at the minute, we've got a... Two short episodes featuring us three. If you want to check it out or if you want to bypass it, I'll let you two discuss it. You didn't tell me about this, Rob. You're just springing it on us. <laughs> now that's announced on the podcast, there's no escaping it. Was well, that the plan? Well, last time when um, Shona and Carolyn were on, we did uh, fish and chips and robots or whatever it was. And that was quite good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that was quite funny. I did quite like that one because it involved me being kidnapped and not saying an awful lot. Mm. Well, I fed I fed the AI with lots of information about yourselves, 
Um, and I asked. Oh it yeah, to, great. Yeah, that's not dodgy at all. I asked yeah, yeah, it to give on. it some scenarios, and it spat this out. So, <laughs> should, should we have a little look? I'll send yeah, us okay, both the on. script. We'll do part one. Just think of it as a bit of a vocal warm up for a night. <laughs> <laughs> So this is called Doctor Who and the Stalkery Spectacle. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, looking at the script, Rob, I mean, I, I'm not impressed. My first line, I would never say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is very much a, a an AI representation of us, isn't it? Right, Rob. So uh, let's go. So, <laughs> hang on, wait a second. Who's who's playing the stalkery figure? Should we play rock paper scissors? Well, that doesn't no, work. No, because I'm, do- <laughs> I'm not doing. I'm not doing. It's between you and Matt. Then I'm not being the stalkery figure. Go on, then. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll be me. the stalker. <laughs> right here we go. If any, okay, I'll be the stalker. But if any other characters pop up, you you can be them, Liam. Right. Okay. I don't. Right. Interior, Newcastle living room, day. The room is filled with Doctor Who memorabilia. Rob, serious and wearing glasses. And Liam, funny and wearing a Doctor Who t-shirt, are sitting on a couch brainstorming ideas. So Rob says, I reckon for Doctor Who's 60th anniversary, we need to do something special for our podcast. I mate. Oh, it's the first time I've ever said that. Oh, I hate it. I mate. I- you need to do the, uh, the I mate. How about we do a live show on YouTube after the anniversary episode? Get the fans involved. Get the fans involved. Good idea. But let's invite Matt from Neither the Time, Neither Space Podcast. He's a Doctor Who expert, and it'd be fun to have him on board. They tell Matt, knowledgeable, enthusiastic, via video call. <phone rings> Matt appears on screen with the background showing Romania. Hey lads, I miss Newcastle, but I'm up for it. Can't wait to celebrate the 60th anniversary together. Suddenly, the call disconnects. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. A mysterious figure, Stalkery, is shown. Is that just his name? Um, Watching them on his computer screen with obsession. Stalkery figure, whispering to himself, My precious hosts, you will be part of my collection soon. The next day, the lads gather for the live YouTube after show. As they discuss the anniversary episode, the stalkery figure hacks into their live stream, taking control. Bloody hell, who's this creep? No idea, but we need to end this live stream now. Before they can react, the stalkery figure kidnaps Matt. Guys, help! We can't let him get away with this. We need to rescue Matt. Right, let's plan a daring mission. We have to save our friend. They hatch a plan involving tracking the stalkery figure's location and breaking into his lair. They set off determined to rescue Matt. Exterior, 
Stalkery figures secret hideout night. The lads sneak into the hideout, prepared for a confrontation. They find Matt tied up and gagged. Hey, he's crazy. Yeah, you're ball gagged, or just regular. Gagged. <laughs> They manage to free Matt, but just as they are about to escape, a trap is triggered, a large net falls from above, trapping them all. Stalkery figure, sinister laugh. Sinister laugh. You thought you could escape. Now you'll be now you'll come now you'll become part of my ultimate collection. In the struggle. <laughs> Oh my god, this has suddenly got violent. <laughs> I didn't see yeah, this. Yeah, this, this is a shocker. Right, carry on, Rob. Yeah. In, in the struggle, Liam loses an arm. <laughs> Tis but a flesh wound. The stalkery figure reveals himself wearing a mask <laughs> resembling all three hosts. How does that work? I don't know, but it sounds creepy. It's, 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 it's a good mental image. Is it like yeah. Mount Rushmore? Or is it like... <laughs> <laughs> the stalkery figure says, I'm your biggest fan, your ultimate collector. You will never leave me. The screen fades to black, leaving a shocking cliffhanger <laughs> to be contained. You know, the funny thing is about this, right? I mean... <laughs> It seems it seems to have upped its game from the last the last one of these that we did, where you know you got the stalkery figure, so we got more of a fully embellished creepy villain. But the plot's largely the same. The only thing that's happened is rather than me being kidnapped, Matt's got kidnapped, and I've lost an arm. It's that difficult second album where we're bereft of ideas, <laughs> and then it gives me dialogue I would never say. Oh, well, I can't wait to see how they get on later on in part yeah. two. Um, so, on to the story. Did, did you put that in the chat GPT prompt script? Like, Liam equals loses R. <laughs> <laughs> I just said I wanted some horrific stuff to happen. And it did. <laughs> so, um, partners in crime. So... Donna Noble is determined to find the 10th Doctor again, even if it means braving the villainous Miss Foster. But when the alien threat escalates out of control, can Donna find her Time Lord before the march of the Adipose begins at last? So, the cast and crew for this one, the Doctor David Tennant, Donna Noble, Catherine Tate, Rose Tyler, Billy Piper, Miss Foster, Sarah Lancashire, Wilfred Mott, Bernard Cribbins, Sylvia Noble, Jacqueline King. Um, directed by James Strong and written by Russell T. Davis. So this is the opener for series four. Um, how do you think it ranks as an opening episode compared to some of the I, others we've had? I think if if you look past the fact that the plot is a bit nonsensical and the aliens are little fat babies... <laughs> I think this was great. I, I had a really good time watching this this afternoon. Like it, it. Obviously, I haven't watched Doctor Who for a while, 
but this, it was like putting on an old pair of slippers. It had everything I would want from an episode coming back to the show. You know, and one thing I think I missed from the first time I watched it, I, 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 I remember watching it, but I can't remember what my feelings were. Genuinely, I, I thought some of this was really funny. I think the comedy timing here is really strong, really good, especially that first opening third of the episode. Really, really good. That's good to hear. When I went back to it, all I remembered it as was the one with the fat babies. I didn't, I totally forgot all the great drama that's going on between the characters, all the funny stuff and the, the whole air. Uh, the two of them being reunited. So that was great. Yeah, I think as a, uh, a season opener, I think it's uh, certainly of the Russell T. David, uh, RTD era, I think it's probably the best. Because um, he, he obviously made a deliberate decision that the season opener would always be more lighthearted and then they would build in the drama as the series went on. And with, um, with Rose, New Earth... Uh, Oh, what was the season opener for series three? Was it Smith, Smith and, and Jones, Jones on the moon? So, yeah. yeah, yeah, Smith and Jones. And then with this, I think uh, I think this is, although I quite enjoy those episodes, I think this is much stronger. When I first watched it, I remember enjoying it, but I always thought that some of the humour was a little bit much. But on this reviewing, I agree with Matt. I think, the, I don't know, I just thought the humour were, I just like, yeah, the humour's actually really good. I loved all that that the because when I first watched it, I thought all the um, stuff to do with the Doctor and Donna just missing each other was a little bit overplayed. On this occasion, I didn't think that at all. I thought actually, I don't know, I was probably up myself a bit when I first watched this all those years ago, but now probably a bit more relaxed. Um, I just thought it was played really, really well, and it was generally funny. I enjoyed it. One thing I thought was really clever. Now that I'm watching this through, like the lens of somebody who's seen a lot more of the show is how things left with the the doctor in, you know, losing Rose, losing Martha being on his own. Mm-hmm. And then you contrast that with Donna, where obviously Catherine Tate's known as this comedic actress. I think it was quite a wise move that they gave Tennant, a lot more of the light-hearted stuff, and Donna actually quite a lot of the heavier stuff. Mm-hmm. So you got to see both of them, you know, work both sides of that story, given the drama and the comedy, and it was able to show that they weren't, you know, Tennant isn't the serious down doctor. He can be quite fun, and Catherine Tate's not this silly comedic actress. She can do the heavy stuff as well. And I, I thought... You know, the way that it was bounced between those two was really, really clever. Yeah, a lot of parallels, not just for comedy purposes, but yeah, she's got all, she's really resourceful. She's got all his strengths and willpower and stuff. So of the the first act of the story, we've got um, the Doctor and Donna haven't seen each other since The Runaway Bride. We've had the whole of series three since then. Um, so Donna's like in the back of everyone's mind at this point. Um, was she, she was presented well in The Runaway Bride, wasn't she? Because I remember her being a comedian, being apprehensive going into that. I thought, is this going to be a bit silly? 
but my memories of that was um was quite good. Was she like did she play the part and was she characterized pretty similar in that? Do you remember? It's been years since I watched Runaway Bride. It, it yeah, but it, it's a bigger performance. You you didn't get the sort of human side to Donna until the very end of that episode. Yeah. You know, she was portrayed as this sort of brash, loud person. And it was only as the story progresses you see her human side. Whereas the human side and that sort of longing for the doctors kind of at the forefront of this story. Mm. And I thought the stuff with our granddad was really nice in this. I was talking to Liam a few weeks ago um, because I got the DVD out. And there is an unused scene, um, you know, like the initial stuff of Donna going up the hill to see her granddad. Well, in The Runaway Bride, the Christmas episode, Donna's father was there. Mm. And they filmed the scenes with Donna's father for Partners in Crime with the telescope. Um, But unfortunately, during production, he passed away. So they kind of kept the script the form of the story and just put um wilfred mott in there and he'd he'd had a, a small cameo in the one where um, he had like the paper stall he didn't did he? i yeah uh, voyage of the damned yeah and i remember like he was really happy that he did that at the time because he was in one of the peter cushion films um he'd done a big finish as well and um it was one of the eighth Doctor ones with Sheridan Smith, and then he'd done the that one Christmas episode. So he was really proud that he'd done the films, done the radio, done the TV, and he thought like he's done now. Um, but I, it was really good that they kind of, if they repurposed him, I don't know if they'd planned to bring him back, but I think it worked out really great. And I don't think I'm saying anything that hasn't already been said about Cribbins, but he, he is flawless in this he just exudes a warmth through this character that you know i'm excited to see him in that role again in Mm. these specials yeah and it's it's nice that like all generations kind of know him because we've had him Mm. from doctor who the railway children carry on um he's probably done loads more obviously i can't think of um but and then he's he's done like Old Jack's Boat. It was a CBB show. Yeah. <laughs> My kids love that. Um, and I think Russell wrote one or two of those episodes. Um, so that's kind of nice, yeah. And he'll and he'll be back once more. And and the Doctor Who magazine tribute to Bernard Cribbins is a tearjerker. You know, nobody has anything too bad to say about him. Everybody was seemingly just in love with him the moment he arrived on set. You know, there's stories where I think some of the production almost fell behind schedule because he was too busy singing to people and dancing and just That's amazing. the consummate entertainer. Yeah, and how nice that he finally got his name on screen. It was during um, the end of time as well. So... Back to the main story. The Doctor and Donna are investigating Adipose Industries. they got these dye pills out, which have been trialling on some people. And, um, yeah, they're pushing sales of them as well. The Doctor and Donna speak to some people there, get the names of people and go and visit them. So Do- Donna's visiting a woman 
and she's been on the trail of the adipose pills and when Donna kind of fiddles with this pendant which was like a free giveaway in the trails and things um that like induces a birth of more adipose there um so that's when we get the the birth of them um what do you think of that in the story we have um like protruding bellies and these little cgi creatures coming out um do you remember first reactions i I don't think at that point i thought it was ridiculous you know if you think back to series one with the slitheen and you've got the people unzipping their heads and you know you get that almost body horror but sort of safe body horror so i you know where's there's people who are swelling and the girl who disappears yeah i I like that effect i would say oh yeah she just vanishes doesn't she (laughs) yeah it has that odd balance of um horror and farce I mean, if they were to do this story, I think later on in the series, I think they would focus much more on the body horror element of it. But because it's opening uh, the season, it's it's wonderfully bonkers. It it sort of almost is willing you to to laugh at it, but you can't quite. I think it's pitched quite well, um, because yeah, the, this thing where people's bodies are behaving oddly and then it's it's morphing and bulging and all the rest of it is is quite a you know it's not an unpleasant uh, idea. You know, you could see the likes of David Cronenberg doing something really horrific with that, uh, or John Carpenter. Uh, but here, we're, you know, being Doctor Who televised uh, on a Saturday afternoon during tea time, uh, it, 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 yeah, it's 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 scary, but it's not. And then the, the the resulting thing is just, oh, the adipose—they're so cute, they are adorable, and we still think that after the death of that lady. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, the thing is, just this poor woman's died, but then you've got these cute things going, Ooh, and then sort of like just sort of like waddling along and waving at everyone. They're just they're so and now they're like an icon of the show. I'm sure you can probably buy like little plush teddies. In what, and things. In what year was this episode broadcast? This would have been 2007? 2008. 2008. 2008. Because amazingly when i was in the center of bucharest last week i went it's got a giant famous bookshop and i kind of went downstairs to where the sci-fi is and the only doctor who merchandise they had was a stuffed little adipose no way (laughs) honestly yeah it was before i knew i was coming on to chat about this episode and like just i just thought oh that's weird and coincidentally a couple of days later you sent a message asking if i wanted to watch this episode it was destiny yeah and donna mentions at the end of this like oh this is like destiny when our car's there that's my car that is like destiny and i've been ready for this i packed ages ago just in case because i thought hot weather Cold weather, no weather. It goes anywhere. I've got to be prepared. You've got a, a hat box. Plenty of the hats. I'm ready. And of course, we've got the stuff from the trailer. 
Destiny's coming for Donna Noble. Um, which I guess I'm guessing all this stuff's going to play out in the third special with the Toy Maker. So the Doctor kind of detects that this woman's died, or, or rather that there's been some activity, so he races to the scene. Um, when Donna's leaving, you know, the taxi pulls up, and I noticed it had an Atmos sticker on the front windscreen as well. Which um, Oh, I didn't notice that. Okay. So that'll be the Poison Sky stuff later in this series. I think in reality that taxi driver would be a bit more pissed off. But you know, Saturday night he'll he'll easily pick up someone else. It's a, it's all Maybe. good. He got he got his fare back. It's it's fine. So the Doctor and Donna decide to go back to Adipose Industries that night. Donna hides in the toilets. The Doctor hides in like a mop cupboard, uh, and then later on in that in the night, that Miss Foster goes looking, presumably looking for Donna, because she knows that. There's someone there that shouldn't be. She looked at the CCTV and she was like, yeah, that's her. Uh, So we're guessing Donna. Um, And when she goes into the toilets, she's got the two guys with guns there. Were these two guys just like employees, do you think? Not aliens? That's a good question because it's it's not really said. But I suspect that they're aliens because they're not. They clearly know what's going on. So I, I don't know. I would think so. So they're going down, kicking all the toilet doors. Um, and to our surprise, we see the lady that the doctor was talking to. Turns out to be like a journalist. So they take her to the conference room. Um, and then, like, in the best way, the doctor and Donna like converge on that room. Doctor goes up to the roof that goes down the maintenance lift. He's at the window. Donna's at the window of the room. And that's when we get that um, that great moment it's called an adipose, made out of living fat. Why not unstable? From ordinary humans. thought it was brilliant the, the fact that you can hear what they're saying in absolute silence the the acting it you know you don't get that comedy by accident it's so well worked that scene and you know just when the music crescendos because I, I knew what was coming in this time round, so i was really quite focused on it but then you get drawn into the conversation and it stops in a heartbeat. You know, it gets funnier and funnier and more exaggerated and you get brought more in, then it's over. And, you know, the reality of the scene hits. It was brilliant. Do you, there's not many things that you watch and then you just think, I have to watch that again and just rewind yeah. it. Yeah, I have gone back to watch, just to watch that scene just for the pleasure of it. It's It's a highlight. Not just the episode, but Doctor Who in general. I really, really love it. And as you say, Matt, it's it's worked out perfectly. Performances and everything, and the way that it just builds, it's just perfect. It's not a second too short, not a second too long. It's 
perfect and the sound the sound of it um works as you say with the with the score building up if you're paying attention you can hear the conversation in the room just drop a uh, few moments before the doctor and donna realize that they you know they've actually been caught you know uh been clocked with the conversation and i love uh, donna's sort of like last expression as she turns with her tongue out and it's just <laughs> and then realizing See, it's just perfect i love it that that's when i went to I, I watched the episode today but i did rewind that part with that intent because it's so clever because at the beginning the conversation's loud the music's quiet and there's this fulcrum point where you don't even realize the conversation stopped and obviously the characters haven't and then when there's that sort of common moment between you and the characters where it's like oh yeah and yeah it, it it's a well thought of scene for a reason I, I thought it was brilliant yeah and you're right like you can totally hear what they're saying like and reading lips isn't always that easy but like the way all the hand gestures as well, um, really works. I, I don't think anyone any other previous like companion could have could have pulled that off. No, I don't think so either. Because, uh, I mean, that they all had the strengths and they all really played their parts really well. But I couldn't see, uh, Billy Piper as as Rose or um or or Martha sort of like somehow pulling off this scene. It it it. It gets David Tennant and Catherine Tate, who's a really, really good straight actress and a comedy actress, get those strengths in, and yeah, no one, no one else could have uh, have uh, performed it as well. So after they get busted, they leg it, and they have a bit of a reunion on the stairs, very briefly. So they go up to the roof and get back in the lift. That's when we have like another little comedy moment where. He's like, no one can take control of this unless they've got a sonic device like this one. And that's what she pulls out, a little sonic pen, just like the Doctor's. Hmm. Um, do you think that was effective for the story? That, that was my one enduring memory of this episode. When we watched this first time round, obviously with what happens to that sonic device, I was adamant that was a huge plot point for the series. When he just pops forward. it in the bin? Yeah, the I, yeah, it, I it's genuinely like... thought, someone's going to find this, reverse engineer it, there'll be this technology, you know. I thought the same some... thing. I, I thought yeah. they've made a point of, of making this scene where we see him pop it in the bin. Yeah. That's important. And I had to pause it. And I was thinking, oh, this is relevant. Why? It's just not. No, I thought it was going to be this series is like Bad Wolf. I thought that was going to be the, you know, the first Sonic in the bin each episode. In... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it might yet be. <laughs> yeah. If this is long form storytelling 15 years in the past, I'll be <laughs> amazed. Yeah. So when they're in this maintenance lift, bit of an action scene where the cable snaps from the Sonic, Donna's swinging around. Um, so the doctor runs in through a window and saves her. Frees that journalist, only for her to get caught again a few minutes later. And this is kind of getting near the climax of the story, I think, isn't it? Because they go down to that mop cupboard, which turns out to be a link to the the inducer. 
so that Miss Foster wants to quickly rush like a million births. But yeah, the doctor kind of, he's got one of these pendants and he's going to use it to stop the induction of all these adipose. But Miss Foster cranks it up to double power. He needs another necklace and that's when Donna's like, what do you need? And he's really dismissive of that because what could she do? She's nobody. But no, you know, she she's resourceful. She's got that pendant there. Um, and he's really impressed. And uh, they kind of stop that. But during that, we'll have a great montage of different people giving birth to adipose <laughs> that we've seen mm-hmm. when Donna's mum's at the restaurant. One of her friends like, look, I've lost a few of my chins and stuff. And, and then <laughs> she's, she's kind of like giving birth to all these adipose babies. Um, I was I thought it was funny, like, after it had stopped, she's just full of relief, and she's fine, and she's smiling. You'd be pretty freaked out by that, though, wouldn't you? You wouldn't be like, oh, thank God, that's over. <laughs> <laughs> now let's have a pint and forget all about it. <laughs> yeah, you suddenly developed a hump, which then turned into this... <laughs> Instead of this, this cute little thing, it's just yeah, you would be freaked out. Everyone's everyone's quite calm about it. They should have cut to a really skinny lady. <laughs> well, that was the thing because one of the things I did notice on this on this occasion is just you have I don't know whether it's an intentional joke or everything, but you obviously have all these actors who brought who have been cast because they're um, slightly overweight. So it's just like oh, obviously they'll uh, they'll be the one taking the uh, the thing, and they're talking about oh yeah, I've lost weight. You never see someone who was skinny and it just go, well, here's my here's my before and after and it really works. <laughs> the one thing is, I mean, it didn't bother me too much uh, about it, but uh, I, I couldn't help but chuckle. It's, it's actually this part of the story where it uh, I can't quite take it seriously. I know it sounds a bit odd because it's... it's you're not supposed to take the story seriously, but it's it's with the all it, it's with this way. You got all the adipose. Oh, some of them get run over by that taxi driver. Oh yeah, there's a few oh. splats. Oh, we don't broke... see the aftermath. You know, but that, oh, that it. broke my heart. I mean, they're, they're babies and they got run over. It's awful. But when you've got all those adipose sort of like waddling around, uh, heading towards the the adipose office, and you've got all those extras just sort of clearly pointing at what would later be CGI CGI'd in. Um, I can't help but laugh because I do think there's a bit of a disconnect and you've got all these sort of extras running around and just pointing at stuff and uh, for quite a few shots. <laughs> I just I just think it I just think it looked quite funny, but unintentionally so, but So the doctor like realizes what's gonna happen to Miss Foster, that she's dispensable because the adipose program was this illegal operation, uh, because it's gonna wipe out the planet. So the doctor goes to the roof and tries to warn her that, you know, they're not going to need their nanny anymore. They've got their parents. But she she's not listening to that. And then they turn off this levitation beam. <laughs> and she and has a Looney Tunes death. She does. It's like Wiley e. Coyote's just ran off the cliff. Yeah. Oh, shit. And just fall. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we even have a comedy death. Aye. A step too far? Well, there was something about that scene that that, that I, I did actually like about it because she thinks that, you know, she, she'll be looking after after these children. Um, it's it's when the, the doctor actually points out to her, well, the pa- the family have actually got their children, so they don't need you. There's that look of realisation on her face where she goes, oh, he's right. 
So the, there is a little bit of uh, serious drama in what is a comedy death, as you say, with a sort of Wild Coyote type Looney Tunes death. <laughs> no, I think given the, given the tone of the story, I think if you suddenly had this very serious death, uh, it wouldn't work. I think I think it's uh, it's it's uh, tonally in keeping with the episode. Um, but it's the fact that she has that moment of realization before this, before then the beam switched off. She hovers for a second, and then falls to her death. No, I think uh, I think it's pitched quite well. What do you think, Matt and Rob? I thought um, for a comedy moment, it was a step too far, but it didn't bother me. You know, I didn't mind. I think it would bother me more if it was a super serious, you know, grim tonal shift, you know, because it is a fairly lighthearted episode. So, you know, it, it maybe did just cross the line for me, but I think I can forgive it. So they arrive back at the TARDIS. Donna's amazed that it's next to her, next to her car miraculously you know she's all packed ready to go she's been waiting for this um but the doctor is reluctant to like invite her because he makes it very clear look i was traveling with this girl martha and i kind of broke her ruined our life um so i, I guess he doesn't want to do that to someone else but you know, he doesn't want to be alone obviously like we had a scene halfway through the episode where He's in the TARDIS talking to himself and he looks around and he's all alone. Mm. Um, so you just have this longing to not be alone, I guess. Um, so then he, he kind of like, once he's expressed his concerns, he kind of invites her on and they, and they kind of get on their way. Um, so that was nice. Uh, Rose wants to knit back and leave the keys for her mum, pops them in the bin. Is it the same bin as the Sonic? Hmm. And no, no, it's a different one. It's a different bin, okay. It's a different bin, yeah. Yeah. Um. So she just tells someone. Turns out to be Rose. Uh, was this a surprise to you when you saw it? Can you remember? It, it was a surprise to me today. I I forgot that's the arc of this series. So when I I thought we were just gonna get credits and then Rose was there. Yeah, I remember. I always forget about that arc. Like we were watching the episode Midnight a little while ago and mm -hmm. Rose just pops up on the screen. I'm like, hang on, what's happening here? I just <laughs> <Yeah>. forget. <laughs> so we'll have one final goodbye at the end. Donna knows exactly where she wants to go, wants to fly over, wave to her granddad. She told him, look, if you ever see this blue box, you scream for me. Um, and he looks up and he wants to, he turns to look for Donna and then he looks through the telescope and he sees her waving. So that was, that was really nice. Yeah, I love that. Actually, g going back to it before, because we, we see uh, see him a couple of t a few times during this episode. The, the first time between her, uh, him, and uh, uh, and Donna, which is a nice scene. She's talking about really how she wants to reunite with the Doctor, and as you say, Rob, it's it's that scene where she goes, "If you ever see a blue box, um, shout for me." And then later on, when we have the adipose uh, mother spaceship. Which, uh, I I'm sorry, but how they got away with that design for anyone who's seen Close Encounters of the Third Kind. It's a great design, but it's... <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's an homage, not a rip-off. Um, but we have that nice scene where he's he's looking at Venus and he, he's missing the uh, the spaceship behind him. 
Um, but yeah, I think this is I think this is just a really really nice way to end the episode. I love it. But then of course, I mean, I always liked the ending, but now it there's that sense of poignancy because this legend is no longer with us. And uh, I I did mm-hmm. just go. On, um, I found it much more touching. It was just like, ah, oh, Bernard Cribbins. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I, I would echo that. You know, the first time I watched it, it was sort of the start of my journey with Wilf, and I didn't know what a character he would become. And then you've got, obviously, Bernard Cribbins and, you know, the story that he's now, you know, completed. It, yeah, this time, that really hit home with me. Yeah. I never would have imagined they would have brought him to the forefront of a two-part story as well, the way they did. So that's kind of a blessing that they did that. Um, it's like, you'd imagine the, it's a new show, they're just going to keep to all the young'uns. <laughs> um, so that that was nice. And Yeah, I'm looking forward to see what we get. So, whole wide universe... Where do you want to go? Oh, I know exactly the place. Which is? Two and a half miles that way. That kind of wraps up our coverage of the story. In a little while, we'll get on to listener feedback, listener polls, and we'll give a little conclusion. Before that, I can tell you just really want to know what the hell's going to happen in part two (laughs) of the stalkery spectacle, or whatever it's called. Interior, stalkery figures layer. Continuous, what does that mean? Con- yeah. Anyway. The room is dimly lit, filled with Doctor Who memorabilia. Uh, this sounds like your apartment in part one, Liam. Um, <laughs> and this- <laughs> oh, is there a trust coming? <laughs> Maybe. The stalkery figures creepy collection. Liam, Matt and Rob are still trapped in the net. Were we trapped in a net? Still? You lost yeah, yeah. your arm to get out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that was a waste of time. I lost an arm and we're still bloody trapped in it. Oh, God, I'm useless. Right, carry on. <laughs> the stalkery figure says, Welcome to my collection, my precious hosts. You will stay here forever. We won't be part of your sick obsession. Let us go. Liam, <laughs> despite his injury... <laughs> Manages to grab a nearby sonic screwdriver from the stalkery figure's table. 
he discreetly passes it to Rob. Thanks, Liam. Hang on, I've got an idea. Rob uses the sonic screwdriver to disable the security system, causing the net to loosen. The lads break free and confront the stalkery figure. Sorry, I feel like this, this is a line that's been said on online forums. <laughs> <laughs> oh, trying to say this with some gravitas. Prepare to face the wrath of the Doctor Who fans. They fight valiantly, using their knowledge of Doctor Who to outsmart the stalkery figure. <laughs> In the chaos, Matt grabs the stalkery figure's mask and pulls it off, revealing his true identity to be David, Matt's co-host from neither the Time nor the Space podcast. Liam, I think you're going to be David. All right, okay. I, I, I got carried away. I'm sorry, Matt. I never meant for it to go this far. You need help, David. This obsession has gone too far. Liam. (laughs) (laughs) Love this. Probably one of the best sentences ever written. Carry on. (laughs) Liam, despite his missing arm, steps forward with determination. Look, we're all fans here, but this isn't how we show our love for Doctor Who. We're a community. (laughs) Let us... (laughs) Let's help each other, not hurt each other. David, realising the error of his ways, nods in agreement. You're right. I lost sight of what really matters. Right. I feel you need to bed in some emotive music for this next bit, okay. Rob. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll, we'll go all Murray Gold on this. Okay. Yeah. We can all move past this. Let's go back to doing what we love. Discussing Doctor Who and sharing our passion with others. They leave the lair with David willingly joining them, ready to make amends. Exterior Newcastle Day. The lads are back in Newcastle recording a special podcast about their crazy adventure. They reflect on the importance of friendship, understanding, and the Doctor Who fandom. <laughs> Liam. <laughs> Liam, with a prosthetic arm, shares a light-hearted joke to lift the mood. Well, I guess you could say I'm the real Captain Hook, but without the villainy. They all laugh. Uh, signifying their unity and the strength of their bond. And with that, we wrap up our special 60th anniversary episode. Here's to many more years of Doctor Who adventures and friendships. They raise their sonic screwdrivers in a toast, celebrating not only the Doctor Who universe, but also their enduring friendship. The end. So I take it you all feel sick now. (laughs) Yeah, not because I lost my arm. I love the bit where it says, I mean, this is after David has captured us, put us in a net and cut off Liam's arm. It says uh, they leave the lair with David willingly joining them. I don't feel that's his decision. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't have any hard feelings, did you, Liam? (laughs) Clearly not. (laughs) Lost an arm, clearly don't care. (laughs) 
I'm, I'm very laid back. A bit too laid back. I've lost an arm. Eh, easy come, easy go. Oh, well. <laughs> At least it wasn't a leg. At least it wasn't a leg, yeah. So, um, we're going to move on to our polling station now. Let's see what uh, what people thought of Partners in Crime. Have you got any predictions? Oh, I'm sorry, Rob. I've just looked at the result. Uh, all what I say is the result that we've got is not what I, I'm shocked, actually. It's Whoa. not what I was expecting. Okay. Have you seen the results, Matt? No. No. Okay. I, I'd, I'd be expecting positive. Okay. So was optimist. I. So was I. Um, I've, I'll probably say now that I was going into this before I watched it, pretty confident I was going to give it an average. Okay. Um, I'd forgot all the great stuff with the Doctor and Donna. Um, I was th- focusing on the adipose as my memory. Um, you know, I was pleasantly surprised going back to visit it. Um, and I thought, ah, this is going to be this is going to be good on the poll. Um, but this is really surprising. So, twenty five percent said it was good. Almost 19% said it was average. So 56% have said it was bad. I'd be intrigued how many of those people rewatch the episode. Mm. You know, like we said, we if you said we're watching this episode, your immediate reaction is, oh, it's the fat babies. And it's only on that rewatch I've sort of picked up on. Mm-hmm. There's some really good stuff here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's good because I think like you, Rob, uh, even though I, re- I remember that scene where the, the Doctor and Donna see each other for the first time and I love that scene and one or two others. But yeah, like you, I, I would have thought, yeah, it's an average, decent episode. But on rewatching, I went, oh, this is good. This, I really like it. So yeah, Matt, I think that's a good point. I wonder if uh, if, if if many of those people have actually re- rewatched it. Um Liars. <laughs> <laughs> Because I've got to say, I mean, obviously, I know it can't be everyone's cup of tea, but uh, for the vast majority to say it's bad, I am quite surprised at that. Mm. Should, we have a, should we have a look at some of the listeners' responses? Mm-hmm. Um, does anyone in particular want to read them out? Or should I go for it? Yeah, I can. Uh, okay. Okay, so, um, Sonia has said, Listen, I love this episode, even in all its ridiculousness. Donna and the Doctor are great together. It's a fun reintroduction. I love the little adipose fat babies. The nanny lady is meh, but I don't care. It's good fun. Yeah, I think that's all stuff we agree with. The nanny lady was a bit meh, do, do you think? Um, do you think Miss Foster was a bit unremarkable as a character? Like, Obviously, she served a purpose for the story, which was good. But yeah, that, that's kind of my take on her. She was a bit meh. She has a great death. She has a great death. Uh, James Swift has said, watched the episode the other day just purely because it's one of my favourite RTD penned episodes. I think Tennant and Tate have uh, an instant chemistry that isn't easy to obtain. For a companion reintroduction, the actual plot is quite decent. There is no clear baddie. Everyone is doing what they think is right. And as the Doctor says, the evil, in uh, quotation marks, plan kind of works apart from the murder and making aliens out of fact without consent. Good first episode of a series. If it wasn't for the pilot and, uh, and 11th hour, it would probably be my favourite. In fact, after what 
after watching it the other day, me and a friend ranked first stories of a series, and this was th this was the third. He then asks, "What would be your top three first stories of a series?" What we got, we've got like Rose, um, New Earth, New Earth, Smith, Smith and, and Jones, Jones. Smith and this this one, Eleventh Hour was all right, yeah. Yeah, good. I like Eleventh Hour. Yeah, yeah. What was series five? Who knows? Uh, no, no, that that was series five, Eleventh Hour. Uh, six was. Was that the impossible astronaut or the? Oh right, like start of a two-parter. Mm. That might be right. Yeah. Um, Whatever what that was, was called. Was series seven was Asylum of the Daleks? Yes, it was. Yeah, uh, mm. which we reviewed recently. Then Deep Breath. Um. Then the one with Bill, possibly. That mm. pilot. The pilot. Yeah. Pilot, yes. Yeah, yeah, which uh, James mentions in this, yeah. Nice. I, I think that might be up there for me. Pilot. I really like that episode. I've got to admit, I've never re-watched any of the Bill stuff. Um, and I'd like to, so I haven't got a massive memory of that. I think of me, just off the top of my head, keeping in mind that, for, obviously, apart from Partners in Crime, it's been a while since I've watched them. I think in order, I think I would say my favourite is Oh, I can always revive with this later, but off the top of my head, I would say Deep Breath, Eleventh Hour, Partners in Crime. I'd probably go again, Deep Breath. The woman who fell to Earth without the rest that came after it, um, putting it into context. I, at the time, I thought that was quite good. Yeah, that is that. Yeah, I'd still that is a good episode. Yeah, um, and yeah, maybe like Smith and Jones. I think I enjoyed as well. But yeah, maybe deep deep breath is at the top. Yeah, Matt. Um, I I think I'd go for this one. I'm not sure of the order, but I'd go for this one. Um, the pilot. And maybe Rose, just as a, you know, bringing everything back together. Mm -hmm. I don't mind that as a story. Yeah. Uh, and uh, just to, well, um, so he also says, also, I believe Matt is joining you for this episode. If so, just let him know we are all collectively thinking of him and David and hope that both of them are okay. Which is nice. Are you okay, Matt? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think David's okay. I'm taking no news as good news. <laughs> and then he says, actually, while we're at it, I also hope Rob and Liam are okay too, which is nice. Are you okay, Rob? Not too bad. Yeah. Plodding on. And also, on another question, what do you think of the naming of Hooniverse? It's like, obviously, a term people have said like in fandom before. It's not something I've favoured. Like, I don't know if this comes across as disrespectful, but, like, it always, like, strikes me as, like, someone with a speech impediment trying to say universe or someone with a funny language accent. But, like, I don't know. <laughs> All right, okay. Rob being offensive there. What about you, Matt? <laughs> um, I, I don't mind it. You know, it, the fact that it's come from the fandom, you know, if... 
I think if it was one of those imposed corporate slogans, I'd probably hate it more. But the fact it's been organic and sort of natural, I think it makes it a bit more acceptable. Yeah, I don't mind it. Yeah. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's alright, yeah. It is what it is. Don't object, whatever. Uh, Right, Harry MacMusicus has said... RTD, David Tennant, Catherine Tate, bad jokes. At least that's all in the past now. Ouch. Oh, <laughs> oh joke. I was going to say, isn't that everything we've praised this episode for? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you must be really looking forward to the 60th. <laughs> but then he's gone into questions, which... Um... Right, questions. Where is the worst UK service station and where is the best? Okay. I think I, I've got an answer for this. Um, worst, probably driving down to Blackpool on the West Coast is a really terrible one. Um, but it's got its charm because I think it hasn't changed since the 70s. Um, in fact, it reminds us of the there's a big finish that Bernard Cribbins is in where the Eighth Doctor arrives at an old motorway service station, one of those ones you know, and has the bridge going over. And it's at night time when there's like a couple of people just eating there and there's a monster on the bridge and stuff. Um, So it kind of reminds me of that vibe. My favorite service station probably has to be not the best, but it feels like I'm home when I'm driving home is Weatherby service station because it means I'm finally, I'm just at the road, I'm nearly home and I can stop and... They've got they've got a lot of stuff there. They've got a Burger King, W. H. Smith, Marcus's Acosta, nice big toilets. Um, gets busy during the day, but it's quite quiet at night. I think I think that's my little comfort service station. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Peterborough. If you've ever been to Peterborough Services, it, it's huge. It's like mm. its own little town. That's cool. I I do know Pete, Peterborough, but um, no, I haven't actually um. Would have been there on the train. Great answers. <laughs> I've got nothing to add. <laughs> but anyway, um, other question he has is: I'm off to Bristol next week. What should I do there? I would say if you can catch a Wurzels concert, but I think Ash Cutler died a few years ago, so I don't know. Get out of Bristol as quickly as you can. <laughs> Well, I've only been there a couple of times, but I remember the uh, the suspension bridge, I think, is worth seeing. I like that. And uh, seeing if you've got the uh, if if you've got the, the balls to actually walk across the whole length and then back again. See if you can do that. Um, it's got some nice architecture, so I don't know whether you'd be interested in that. But uh, I remember, I think it was called Victoria Square, which is really nice. And coming across what used to be the house of W.G. Grace. Um, it's got a big plaque there. That's nice. And then just wa- and then walking along the uh, the river, um, there's just really nice. Uh, that's just really pleasant. And there's lots of ducks. Um, and oh, the bridge looks nice. Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely worth seeing. And then um, they're very proud of their connections to uh, Alderman Studios and um, mm-hmm. uh, Wallace and Gromit. So you'll. At some point, you'll definitely see Wallace and Gromit stuff. There's definitely do. I think there's quite a lot to to do uh, near Bristol. Um, and then, 
The salt in my salt cellar keeps going damp. It doesn't matter what I do, if I put a lid on it, if I put it in a cupboard, it still goes damp. Nothing else is damp and there's no damp in the house. Why does this keep happening? Well, there will be damp in the house. Maybe it's not visible. It could just be the humidity. Um, I'd say in the salt cellar, put some rice in there, some dry rice, and that'll stop the salt going all claggy. And sorry, uh, claggy is a, a northeastern word, I think. So um, just stuck together. Uh, rough translation, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's really yeah. No, spot on, Rob. That's the advice I would give. And then he, he gives us his advice. Uh, also, remember to keep potatoes and paper bags in a cupboard, as the plastic bags make them sweat and they start to turn into triffids way too early. I would say I think that's that's true of most vegetables. Actually, I always keep yeah. get them out keep, of the keep them out bag. of sunlight. Yep. Yeah. Don't feed them after midnight. <laughs> don't, don't get them Just, wet. Yeah. And then, uh, and then finally, Cara Harvey has said, "What do you like more, Doctor Who or Stranger Things?" Uh, so that's my daughter. Okay. Um. I mean, keep in mind you don't do a Stranger Things podcast unless you do, and I'm not I aware don't. of it. Should I? I don't know. Um. That's a tough one. I think I'm going to go with Doctor Who because it's more diverse. There's, there's a lot more you can kind of take out of it. Stranger and Things. And it's a better show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Stranger Things is Cara's favorite show as well. Um, All right, okay. Which he loves. Um, oh, sorry, sorry s- Cara. I'm going to go with Doctor Who. Just out of curiosity, has she, uh, has she gotten to Kate Bush yet through Stranger Things? Yes. She's got, quote, on a wall lyrics and stuff so yeah oh nice yeah Uh, okay good stuff's come out of stranger things yeah well that's good that's it for this week's uh, feedback that was a good one a lot of people voted but they voted wrong (laughs) well that's democracy for you yeah um so have we got a final conclusion before we sign off how do you rate it good average or bad I I could go between good and average. I think there is more good. I think the bits that are average, though, are the plot and the villain. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everything else just works for me. I think one thing we haven't mentioned is the other supporting character of Donna's mum, I think, is well cast, well played, and as this series goes on, plays that important role. You know, I, like I say, it was like it was like a trip down memory lane watching this today. Just little things that, at the time, I didn't know how significant they were going to be, and you know, it it, it was just a really comforting, enjoyable watch this afternoon. Yeah, I think I was pleasantly surprised. I went in with thinking. Um, going off bad memories, but uh, there was a lot of takeaway from it. So, I mean, yeah, I'm, gl- I'm glad we chose it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd I'd give it a good, like like Matt said, like the average side of good. And um, we, me and Liam, kind of do this a lot. We'll say, oh, that's a that's an average good, or that's a good average. We kind of like sway back and forward, but yeah, it was an all right good, huh? Yeah, it was good. Um, obviously, I would say that the, there are obviously better stories than Partners in Crime, but I still think this is a good story and I will happily re-watch it. 
um yeah the, as you said there's average stuff with this but w- when it's good it's really good and that that's what really lifts it um it's just really fun and entertaining and it's got a good cast and yeah just picking up on, on that Jacqueline King who plays um Donna's mother she is really good and Rob and I have actually met her at a Doctor Who convention and um that was really interesting and she's a very good actress and I'm pleased that they that they're, they're obviously bringing her back uh in the specials yeah that, that was nice getting to meet her because it was one of those things where she was at a smaller table without a massive queue and it's a more intimate thing you get to you actually get to speak to them um it's not like here sign this bugger off um <laughs> so that, that was a good opportunity yeah yeah well we we also had that opportunity with colin baker as well didn't we funnily enough because oh, I yeah. think the timing, the timing that we 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 got to meet him the second time was, it was just us two really, just talking to him, which was nice. But yeah, Jacqueline King, um, just hearing her passion about her her love of of theatre work and how her favourite playwrights, uh, Tennessee Williams and, and everything, that was just, yeah, loved that. I've got very fond mem- memories of of meeting her and just hearing her talk about her love of acting and her. Lo- even and her, even though she's proud of her time on the show, it's it's her time on the stage that she really loves. So I've got happy memories of just mm. her talking about her passion. Well, uh, thanks for joining me today, Matt. Um, I don't know how Liam thinks about this, but you know you're welcome anytime. Oh, very much. So. Always <laughs> a pleasure. Always a pleasure. I don't know. I don't think Liam fancies losing another arm, so <laughs> give it a David's while. David's not invited, however. <laughs> yeah. um, so next week we'll be discussing the first of the anniversary specials, um, The Star Beast. Mm-hmm. That episode won't be on er- available on Early Access straight away because... Um, because of the timing issue of it coming out and us reviewing it so quick and getting it out. But yeah, you can probably catch us a few days early or catch us on the Monday when it's out. So, um, any last words before we go? No, just thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Cool. Well, thanks again, and we'll see you out there. Bye-bye. Thanks, Matt. Bye, everyone. Bye now.